Welcome and thank you for listening to the CRC podcast brought to you by Pastor Ad Boschel. We believe that God is working across this platform to bring each and every believer revival throughout their entire lives. We hope you are inspired by this week's message. I'm going to talk on uh, igniting a fresh fire. It's Pentecost. I believe this week God is going to light a fresh fire in many of your lives. Tonight in this place, watching on television, you better get ready for God's fire to come upon you. And that means things are going to change in your life. God's going to unsettle you and God's going to upset somebody close to you. Okay. Uh, because we need things to change. Uh, Jesus didn't come to give us a comfortable religion. I know when you watch uh, Christian TV, most of it is to you and for you and about you. And it changes nothing. It changes nothing. Our world is in a crisis. As a matter of fact, I'm not a naysayer. I know what Jesus said, maybe more than you. I'll build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail. But that doesn't mean we have to sit on our blessed assurance and do nothing. For the first time in America, under 50% people go to church. First time ever since COVID. 70% of millennials have disengaged from the church because they've not encountered the fire of God in church. They've encountered smart talk, great teaching, clever ideas, methods, which have almost caused an entire generation to be sterile. Yeah, it's true. I know what I'm talking about. Pastor Ray McCall always said this, and it's true. The church is one generation away from failure. Now, I believe that God is raising up the greatest generation that has ever been alive in this world. However, I don't want to say but, because but means I neutralize what I just said. So I'll be clever. I'll say however, which means exactly the same. That generation has to answer the call by themselves. You can be an onlooker, you can stand on the riverbank, or you can become saturated with the presence of God and consumed with the fire of God. This Christianity that is portrayed by so many to so many that come to Jesus and you don't have to change is not right. Come to Jesus and live for yourself is nowhere in the Bible, doesn't exist. Everything about coming to Jesus is change. Where He sets you on fire, not just to live a life for yourself, unto yourself, but you live a life of purpose for God's glory and for God's kingdom. And this means that when you face Jesus, you will face challenges. Because He loves you too much to leave you where you are. So first you'll meet Him as Saviour. He's going to save you, clean you up, watch you, forgive you by grace. And then you will meet Him as Lord, where you lose ownership. Where your clever ways and clever ideas and plans are not His plans. 
So when we ask for revival, I think sometimes people have the picture that God must bless us where we are. Oh, God's going to find you where you are, but He's maybe not going to leave you there. He's going to unsettle you. He's going to rattle your cage. He's going to disrupt you. He's going to remind you of certain things He told you before. And many people don't like that. They don't like that. They want the ankle-deep Christianity. But we're not going to have ankle-deep Christianity this week. We are trusting God for a river where you will lose control, a river where God's anointing is going to get a hold of you, and God is going to raise you up in power to do great things for His kingdom. Amen. I, I, I always say this. It takes one match to start a forest fire. One match. One person to change an entire university. One person with conviction and with fire. You know, Paul the Apostle, that was maybe the most eloquent learned man in the Bible, apart from Jesus Christ in the New Testament, says... Um, he says, I determined to know nothing except Christ and Him crucified. He says, when I came to you, my speech and my preaching were not with the eloquence of man. Today, people try to be so smart from the pulpit that nobody understands what they say. They try to be so cool that it changes nothing. God's not out to get you cool. God's out to get you on fire, okay? So you can have a hole in your gene, but be sure that your heart is on fire. You can have a cool hairstyle, but be sure you're on fire. You can have a cap on your head, but be sure you're on fire. Because cool is not going to change anything. Our world, this young generation, needs a God encounter. Somebody say amen in Jesus' name. So he says, my speech and my preaching were not with the beguiling, enticing, persuasive words of man's wisdom, but was in demonstration of the Spirit and power that your faith should not be in the wisdom, the eloquence of man, but in the power of God. So Paul toned himself down so people could get a revelation of who Jesus is and the purpose of the cross so that they could fulfill the assignment of the cross of Christ Jesus. So uh, I'm telling you, this week um, is going to be amazing, but this week is also going to be a week where God is going to talk to you personally and He's maybe going to have the conversation that you're not ready to have. That's why sometimes people stay away uh, from meetings like this because they know they're lukewarm, they know they're mediocre, they know they're on their own agenda, and they know when God gets a hold of them, that's it. Because when you have a conversation with God, that is it. Because when you sit with God, there's no debate. You can worship God in a two-way conversation, but when your father sits you down, he tells you as it is. And once you've heard God's voice, you are accountable for the rest of your life. You don't change God's plans because now it suits you. Amen. There's no plan B. I'm saying this because I know somebody needs to hear this. There's no plan B. There's no plan comfort. There's no plan convenience. There's only a God plan. Amen. Come on, give Him a praise. We'll get into the message. So, uh, um, I actually never wanted to go in the ministry. As a matter of fact, I, I grew up in church, um, didn't like church, stopped going to church. Um, I wanted to, I did study law and I wanted to go into politics. Um, thank God I never did because that political party is no more. And I don't believe in any political party now in any case. So um, they all have their faults like most of us. But um, then God got a hold of me. And my desire changed, my purpose changed, 
My vision changed. My passion changed. Absolutely everything about me changed. My lifestyle changed. Everything changed when God got a hold of me. So when people say, I'm saved, and they look like they looked before they got saved, you need to question what they saved from. Are you here tonight? Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, if you were uh, snorting cocaine before you got saved, and now you're saved, you can't be snorting cocaine anymore, right? Hello? Hello? If you're messing around with girls before you got saved, you can't be messing around now. Yeah, I, I, I don't need your hand clap. I'm telling you the truth. Um, if, uh, um, I think we misunderstand grace totally. We think grace is a license. No, grace is your, is, is, is your power out of sin. Grace is what breaks the power and the desire for sin over your life. So we don't need a lukewarm church and we don't need a lukewarm young generation with one foot in the world, one foot in the church, and we shout hallelujah on a Sunday, but during the week we look like everybody else does in the world and we do what everybody else does in the world. We are different. We are saved by the grace of God and we are saved for a purpose. And, and this year God is gonna come and He's gonna burn out the hay, the chaff and the stubble. He's gonna burn out every wrong desire and He's gonna burn His fire in your heart and you ain't gonna be the same person anymore. Shout amen on the balcony over there in Jesus' name, okay? So uh, the things I used to do, Lord, I don't do no more, right? The places I used to go, Lord, I don't go no more. Am I, am I is preaching to the converted yet tonight or am I talking, is this a crusade? So this is a crusade. Because we save, where, where are we? Both feet are where? In, in the church, right? Where's our hearts? In God's kingdom. So what did Jesus save you from? From the world, right? He saved you from what? From sin. He saved you from yourself. So if He doesn't have it all, He has nothing at all. If He doesn't have it all, He has nothing at all. If He doesn't have it all, He has nothing at all. So you encounter Him as your Saviour, but then you have to encounter Him as your Lord as well, which means He takes full ownership and that is the journey of sanctification, the journey of surrender, where you surrender, where you healed ownership of your life to Jesus Christ, so that the light that shines you will grow brighter and brighter and brighter, and your impact for God will be more and more and more. Amen. Because if we look like the world, I'm not talking about your fashion, we talk like the world, I'm not talking about your language, but you can't say the things people in the world say. If we drink like the world, if we smoke like the world, if we party like the world, then what did Jesus do for us? Absolutely nothing. Our salvation becomes questionable. I know you didn't come for this, but somebody has to tell you this. Because you are saved from something and you are saved for something. You are saved out of the world. The Bible says you are translated out of the kingdom, the domain of darkness, and you are translated into the kingdom of His dear Son. That means you were lost, now you are found. You were blind, now you will see. You were a sinner, now you are a saint. Come on, all the saints of God, jump to your feet and give Him a praise. Hallelujah.
So uh, I say this because the sands of time is running out. I don't know when Jesus is going to come back, but it's sooner than ever, obviously. And uh, he needs a church on fire. Uh, 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 a lukewarm world needs a church on fire, not a church full of philosophy and uh, programs that there's enough edification out there in the world. There's enough positive talking in the world. You can go right into a seminar on how to think positively, um, etc., etc. You can go watch a show that's much better than any show um, in, in the church, music, etc. But what the church has, what the world doesn't have, is we have the presence of God, we have the anointing, we have the fire of God, and we should protect that with all our hearts. That is what defines the church, the presence of God. That is what Jesus brought on the day of Pentecost. He brought the presence of God. The same thing Moses cried out for when God told him to deliver his people. And he said, God, if you, if you will not go with me, if your presence doesn't go with me, I don't want to go. How will we be different from everybody else in the world? Is it not your presence? So we need a church on fire. We need a church when people walk in here, they encounter something different. They encounter not just dancers on a platform, cool music, but they encounter the presence of God. They encounter the anointing of God. Come on, say amen in Jesus' name. That's why we can never tone Him down. We can never, ever, ever, ever tone Jesus down and make Jesus um, an experience of convenience. I mean, I watch some people talk on church growth, etc., and they say you need to take the radical element element out. You need to take the cringe factor out. Now, listen, where Jesus preached, many people were cringing. They were gnashing on their teeth. They were not just sitting there feeling better. They were challenged to change. Are you ready for change this week? Okay, because that's where God is going to meet us at a place of hunger. Not where we have it all fixed out and we have made our little box and we now want God to work within the perimeters of our understanding, our culture, our belief. We have to break the box open. We have to break our hearts open and we have to mean what we sing. Come like a flood. Do what you want to do in my life. Disrupt my life, God. Unsettle me, God. Shake me up. Change me in Jesus' name. Oh, come on, young person, in Jesus' name. Because I'll tell you, it takes one of the young people up there to be radical. And you're going to change the classroom. Then you're going to change a hostel. Then you're going to change a university. It's not like people in the world are not hungry for God. They're looking for real Christians. They're looking for people that are on fire for God. That's all people want. Not people that are smart and intellectual. Your intellect will not change anybody to follow Christ. You may reason like Paul did, but you need something that that person cannot find in a university, cannot find in a bottle of alcohol, in cocaine, in a relationship. You need to give that person that only Jesus can give that person. That's what will attract people to Jesus Christ, nothing else. So how we ever thought we have to pattern certain things according to what's happening in the world, is the height of insanity because the church is so different. The church is God's dwelling place. The church is a place when people walk in, they should be unsettled. They should 
question their lifestyle. They should question their relationships. They should question their values. They should question their involvement. They should question their love for other people. Not walk in the same way and live the same way. So, so, so when we talk about revival, we talk about God unsettling us. Amen. And we don't like that, do we? Okay, so let's see what Jesus says. Look, chapter 12, verse 49, I read the message. It says, I've come to start a fire on the earth, how I wish it were blazing right now. I've come to change everything. That includes you and me. To turn everything right side up. Somebody say right side up. How I long for it to be finished. Do you think I've come to smooth things over? And make everything nice? Not so. I've come to disrupt and I've come to confront. From now on when you find five in a house, it will be five students living in a house, okay? Three want to serve God, two don't. A family of five in a house, the mother and the two children are on fire for God and the father and the one child is not on fire for God, okay? So he says, when I come, it's going to bring division. I've come with a sword. Five will live in a house and it will be three against two and two against three, father against son, son against father. You know, when I gave my life to Christ, I was my dad's blue-eyed boy and uh, he wanted me to be an attorney, an advocate. That was his dream for me. Then I decided I'm going in the ministry and our relationship was totally broken. Totally broken from that day on. As a matter of fact, my best friend who studied at university, BSc, uh, agriculture, um, his father was a very wealthy man and had many farms and uh, typical old way, uh, uh, not all cultures, but the culture I come from, that Afrikaner culture in those days, if you didn't do what the father said, you had to do, they always said, I'll write you out of my will. That was the famous thing to control you. Excrete you at the village. Want Jan, jy gaan doen wat ek vir jou sê. As ek boer, gaan jy boer. En as jy nie boer nie, dan, dan skryf ek jou uit my village. Well, this happened to my friend. Unbeknownst to me, the same way God speaks to me, to go to Bible school, and that God called me to go into the ministry, God talks to him as well. And his father also could never handle it. His father literally wrote him out of his will. So when his father died, he got nothing. But that's okay. He has a great inheritance in heaven. Hallelujah. Because he found, oh, come on, he found the Christ. He found the Messiah. He found what he was looking for and it wasn't silver and gold. It wasn't what this world had to offer. He found Jesus Christ. And because of that, he was willing to pay the price no matter what the cost. So to follow God when the fire of God gets a hold of you, sometimes it's going to cost you something. Your mama is going to tell you, can you not I happy clappies too? Your mama gaan vir jou sê, dis nou net kerk, 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 kerk in die ochend, kerk in die middag, kerk in die hand. Like my parents told me. And then they said to me, one day you're going to get the balance. But they had never had a problem. Every Friday night I was out drinking. Every Saturday night I was out drinking. Every Sunday I was drinking. Nobody ever had a problem. My dad gave me his car. I was 16 years old and I went on a holiday with my girlfriend. Think about that. Without a license, he had no problem with it. Every weekend. And my dad was a good man. He was a bank manager. He was a 
uh, elder in uh, one church, almost I say the church, would say, what does it in the kerk sit? But he never had any understanding of, of uh, uh, Christ. I led him to the Lord eventually. Let me just tell you, he's in heaven right now. But he just couldn't get it. That when I got saved, I got radically saved. I didn't get saved and just um, suddenly do a hop, skip and a jump. Everything about my life changed and I became disruptive. I became like a hot potato, hot potato. I became like a hot coal. My family, everyone, you know, all of them first. He has the deal first. Uh, my uncles and aunts warned my cousins, um, don't hang out with, with him, he's a bad influence. Then I get saved radically. And uh, uh, every Sunday we used to eat together like Afrikaners do all the family together. And I would always say, I want to pray, okay? Um, after I got saved. Dan so get a long tafel gebeur, ek doen net, and everybody's uncomfortable, then they don't want to drink their wine and their whiskey no more. Eventually they stopped inviting me, and then they told my cousins, don't hang out with him, he's a bad influence. Well, I was a bad influence when I was in the world, then I became a worse influence when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Listen, when you get on fire for God, not everybody's going to like it. Your commitment will be challenged by those that are close to you, but you don't sell out to the world. You don't sell out to your girlfriend. You don't sell out to your culture. Come on. When you catch the fire of God, you fall in love with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And then when revival hit our church and people came from all cultures in the old apartheid, then people called me a verraier. Yes, a verraier at Bosso. Vidak verraai, my kultuur. Dear swart mensen, doe te laat om kerk toe te kom, noem jy my een verraaier, rera. Nou vir wie Jesus gesterf, het hy gesterf vir die wit Afrikaner alleen, or did Jesus Christ die for all the people? I knew Jesus died for the nations of the earth, and the fire of God that burned in my heart was too strong to be intimidated by those who gave big offerings and tried to control me. I knew that God wanted a church that was representative of every tongue, tribe and nation, rich and poor, intellectually literate. That is the church of Jesus Christ. Nothing safe about the church of Jesus, because you're going to sit in church and somebody's going to shout hallelujah and it's going to rub you up the wrong way because you've never ever caught a spirit of praise and rejoicing there's going to be a white person next to you that's going to st- uh, uh, rub you up the wrong way or a black person that rubs you up the wrong way but you better get over it because we can't handle God's kingdom down here what are you ever going to do in heaven when you stand before the throne of God with every tongue tribe nation represented before the throne of God so so, so uh, um, I refuse to do church safe. I've been in so many conferences where they say, well, you, you, you need to target this segment of, of the community so people can be comfortable with one another. What does that even mean? So, so, so we need to build a church for the intellectual. Sometimes people say, we have a church for the intellectual. What, what does that even mean? What foolishness is that? Oh, we want to build a church for this social class. Where is it in the Bible? Where is it in the Bible? You build a church for whosoever. I said you build a church for whosoever. The most broken, the most lonely, the most lost. The richest, the poorest, everybody is welcome. And that means your values will be challenged. I, I don't get, and I, I, I say this, I've said this for 30, uh, 35 years, I don't get it how people get saved and they still hold on to racism. I just don't get it. 
and they disguise it in everything else, but admit, I'm a racist. I don't want to be in a church where there are too many black people. I don't want to be in a church where there are too many white people. Why don't you have the guts to say it as it is? Why do you want to, to, to disguise it in something else? My brother, you've never ever crossed the first uh, step into God's kingdom, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. And your neighbor is always the person of another culture. There is no revival when you sit in your holy huddle, when it's just that calls us together, all the Zulus together, all the Afrikaners together. There's no revival there. When revival breaks out, every tribe, tongue and nation will show up. The rich will show up. The poor will show up. The intellectual will show up. The illiterate will show up because Jesus is the magnet and Jesus is the unifier. Say amen in Jesus' name. I mean, in Bloemfontein, we had a politician and what impacted him was him seeing the thousands of white people and thousands of black people under one roof. He couldn't figure it out. Because as I was preaching, he was mad. I could see it. I know people's body language and I like it. I like a challenge. You shut up, I'm going to offend you or open you up. Well, he opened up eventually. Okay. Because he didn't like a white man to be truthful and direct. It's like, I've lost my white privilege to preach the gospel in your own little world, okay? The truth stands by itself. And he couldn't figure it out seeing all these thousands of people, white and black. Because building a multicultural church presents its own challenges. It's very easy to just go for a little socioeconomic group or to be a little suburb church and we just cater for the snooty wooties that live in an estate. Of course, we don't have to challenge anything. We just have to make sure your child is happy in children's church and we have to make sure you're happy and we have to make sure that we don't ruffle your feathers and we don't unsettle you and we just have to tell you how great you are all the time. As a belief, man. What is that? Huh? At least the piano agrees with me. Can you live in South Africa and not open the doors for the poor? Because you're scared to offend the person that sits in the second row that is a big donor. Well, go donate your, 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 your trash, trash, I mean your cash. Um, in your you all trailer and take it with you to the grave if you cannot respect what Jesus came. The gospel is good news for the poor. The poor should be, a, the church should be a place where the poor can come and can be loved, not looked down upon. So you want revival, you need to be willing to, to, to accept revival the way God wants it. And that includes you need to reach the poor and bring the poor. Amen. Everywhere in the Bible, the apostles always remind one another the poor. Because poverty robs people of absolutely everything. While you live in your estate and your kids are in private schools and you want to live in a safe environment and now even you look down on those of your culture because they live in townships, they live in, in, in poverty, they live in, in squatter camps. Your mother comes out of it. 
Now suddenly you live in his state and you don't want your kids to mix with those kids in children's church. You better get resaved, my brother. I said you better get resaved in Jesus' name. Because you, for, you, you quickly forget where you came from. And you forget that your child should be the one that gives hope to that child that still lives in a squatter camp and says, my daddy lived in a squatter camp, but we got out of a squatter camp. You're gonna take your family out of a squatter camp. Then we're talking about the church of Jesus Christ, not I want to connect people on, on my social status. What the heck is that, that you want to connect on a social status? What is that? Television, uh, Faith TV, we love you. Thank you for being with us, tuning with us this week. I pray that God touches you. We're going to have an amazing time, but with God, He has the thing with Him. He always first challenges us to change. And as we yield, we give Him the right to work in our lives. I ask you to humble yourself. I ask you to hunger after God. And I ask you to just say, here I am, Lord, use me, work in me, do whatever you want to do. God bless you in Jesus' name. Give them a hand. Amen. So Jesus says, and I went through this. People look at us as if we never paid a price. That's the challenge. There's a price to pay for revival. You have to be willing to be unpopular because you cannot be popular and effective. You cannot be liked by everybody. Jesus wasn't. They tried to kill Jesus 11 times in three years for the things He said publicly. Think about that. He wasn't somebody that mollycoddled everybody. When He preached a sermon, you sat up, you listened. You knew where you stood and you had to make a decision. Not just about your lifestyle, but the purpose of your life, the purpose of your blessing, the purpose of why you are on this earth, that you are not here for yourself. No church exists just to look after themselves. That's not why we are here. We are here to change our community. We are here to alleviate the pain and the suffering. Say amen tonight in Jesus' name. So he says, three against two, two against three, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against uh, a bride. That's not a difficult one, right? <laughs> okay, man, that's what Angelique kijks in on our squin, ma. Maar dit is ongelukkig die waarheid. Jylle het gelukkig die heilige geest, so jylle het nie na die probleem uh, opzichtelik nie. And... <laughs> <laughs> and bride against mother-in-law. Nobody wants interfering mother-in-law, let me just say that. I think men less than everything. Amen. When you marry the wife, the mother must butt out. You're not marrying the mother, you're marrying the daughter. So when... Uh, <laughs> the day you say, I do, mama loses control. Thank you. She doesn't come and shift the furniture around um, and tell you how your curtains should be and your, your decorations should be. No. You butt out, Mama. Thank you. You butt out. Samaya. <laughs> so, 
I see we're not going to get very far tonight. In any case, Luke chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. John intervened and he said, I'm baptizing you here with, in the river. The main character in this drama to whom I'm a mere stagehand will ignite the kingdom life a fire, the Holy Spirit within you. So when Jesus comes, He ignites what? A kingdom life, a fire, the Holy Spirit on the inside, changing you from the inside out. The Lord tried to change you from the outside in. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, no. The Holy Spirit works through grace and grace changes your desire and grace empowers you to live the Christ life. But you have to yield to that grace and work with that grace. And more than that, when the fire of the Holy Spirit falls upon you, when the fire of God truly falls upon you, not somebody laying hands on you and you say a few words in unknown languages and you pray in tongues and now you think you have the fire. No. Speaking in the Holy Ghost is a gift you receive. But when you receive the baptism of the fire, everybody will see it. You will see it. And I'll tell you now, it's not a popular doctrine among charismatics, but that fire doesn't fall upon people who don't seek it. That fire doesn't just come quickly. Come, uh, one, two, three, come and let me pray for you and you're going to have the fire of God. That fire of God comes when people are hungry, when people press in, when people cry out before God for days and days and months and months and years and say, Father, set me on fire. Father, let your fire fall upon me. Father, show me your fire. Oh, but there may be encounters, but for you to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire is a total different thing. You say, how do I know it? Because I encountered it. When I got saved, I walk out of the church and, and, and uh, my brother says to me, go ask the pastor for the Holy Ghost. And I was like, Acts chapter 19, I didn't even know there's anything like a Holy Ghost. I didn't know that you still have, you have Jesus now receive the Holy Ghost. Actually, I didn't even know what happened to me. I, I sat in church with a hangover, a bubbleus, smelling like the night before with a friend of mine after sm smoking the first cigarette of the morning because that's what the smokers do, right? You wake up and you smoke. That's what drinkers do. You wake up and you drink to drown the bubbles of the previous night, right? To drown it, you do it. You're a sinner, so you keep on sinning. So we went to a cinema, there I sat, and God just gripped a hold of me. The fire of the power of God took a hold of me, and Jesus Christ saved my soul. So I walk out, and my brother says to me, go ask the pastor for the Holy Ghost. I didn't know nothing. All I knew is I'm changed. I have Jesus. So I walk back down the aisle, and the pastor stands there, little church, maybe 70, 80 people there, he says, yes, what can I do for you? He says, I say, my, the brother, my brother said, I must ask you for the Holy Ghost. So he says, okay, lift up your hands. I lift up my hands. He says, okay, pray after me. Father, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. He says, now open your mouth and pray. And I'm standing there. Sechen Vader, sechen Jeet, and laat ons nummer hier vergeet. No, I didn't pray that. I didn't know what to say. So he says, say after me. Ah, blah, 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 blah. And I pray in tongues, etc. But I, I received nothing. I have to be very honest with you. I could talk in tongues, but I didn't have the fire of God. A lot of tongue-talking believers that have no fire. Speaking in tongues doesn't mean you have the fire. 
Speaking in tongues is a language where you edify your spirit. But there is a baptism of fire. Listen to me very carefully. There's a baptism of fire. There's a time that God will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. And I pray to God that His fire will fall upon some of you in this place, will fall upon you by your bedside, will fall upon you somewhere as you cry out for God. But I'll tell you, I talk to young people all over this world and I see they are void of the fire of God. They have no impact, they have intellect, but they have no power. They have no power. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, you will receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. People say things and nothing changes. We need a generation baptized in the power of the Holy Ghost. And let's say in Afrikaans, met the kromstokka your methods do not have to be perfect but I'll tell you your pronunciation doesn't have to be perfect your tenses may not have to be perfect but when you stand up and the anointing of God is upon you and the fire of God is upon you it's going to change people's lives we need people baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire somebody shout fire somebody say baptize me say it baptize me Jesus with fresh fire say it in the name of Jesus hallelujah When you are hungry for something, you will cry out for it. When you are hungry for something, you will press into it. And when you stay in the presence of God, He's going to burn out your weaknesses. He's going to burn out your excuses. He's going to burn out your inferiority. And He's going to burn out every other desire that this world has, every addiction. When you stay in the presence of God, He's going to baptize you. He's going to burn out the hay, the chaff and the stubble. And He's going to burn something on the inside of you that is unquenchable. Every time you stand up and open your mouth, you are going to spit fire because the fire of God is something that you receive when God baptizes you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Shout amen in Jesus' name. It's like people, it's, 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 like, it's, it's, it's like people think this fire we talk about is not real. It's real, my brother. It changed my life. But it didn't happen in a prayer line. It happened while I was crying out to God. Yes, as a charismatic. In the faith movement, the Word of God faith movement. I was kneeling at my bed every night and I said, Father, baptize me. Baptize me with fire. I cried out for hours every day of my life. I did. I used to cry out to God and say, Father, if you don't baptize me with your fire, I don't even want to live. I was so hungry for God. And then one night by myself in my room, on my knees, at my bed, while my friends were in the clubs, Christians who got saved, when I got saved, when they were playing, I was praying. When they were just strolling around, I was seeking God. I'll tell you, those are the people, those are the pastors that will leave a mark in this world. People that are hungry for God, not people who put up a show in front of others. Those who cry out to God, God will meet you privately. And when God touches you privately in the secret place, everybody will see it publicly because that will be your reward. The fire of God will be upon you. The mark of God will be upon your life and it will never be quenched because He said it's an unquenchable fire. No persecution can put out that fire. No opposition, no devil, no curse. Nothing in this world can put out the fire of the Holy Ghost because it's an unquenchable fire. It is a fire that cannot be quenched. There's a fear what the Eitgeblis can word. They say Amen of Hallelujah of Salf Meyera. Fall my medichies in Jesus' now. I don't know how we reduce things 
in our charismatic circles, the Pentecostals still had more understanding of having to press in. We just want everything instant. And it doesn't work. I'm not saying you have to work for salvation. That's a free gift. By grace you are saved through faith. It's a gift of God, not of works. Lest anyone should boast. But when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Ghost, those early believers cried out. They tarried. They prayed. And people come with a little clever philosopher or theology. And I've done this for so many years to see that um, your theology must match what people experience. You say God poured out the Holy Spirit then and now you pray for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. They speak in tongues and nothing changes. Then there's something wrong. Because the Bible promises when you receive the fire, you're going to change. Paul changed from, or Peter changed from a denier of Christ to a preacher of the gospel. From a reed shaken to a rock. Steady, a sure thing after God got a hold of him. You know, it's the hungry person. It's the desperate person. I didn't even understand it when I was young. I just had this hunger in my heart for God. And I cried out. I cried out. And then one night as I was not expecting it, just crying out to God again, it was like hot liquid was poured upon me, on my head. It was like somebody poured hot oil over me. And my prayer language changed while I was kneeling there. Ran from the top of my head, ran down my body into my soul. And I changed. Everything about me changed. The way I spoke, the way I walked, the way I thought, the way I preached, everything changed. After Jesus baptized me with His fire. It's like we want to test the waters. We cannot. We have to hunger for what the Bible promises. We have to cry out for this. We have to desire this more than anything else. We have to position ourselves in that place for God to baptize us with fire and with the Holy Ghost. If you read what the Bible says, when His fire comes, it's not going to leave us where it finds us. It's going to change everything about us. My children were privileged to grow up in this environment where they grew up in the fire of God, where they encountered God's fire again and again and again and again and again and again and again. We need to be burning ones for God. We need to be torches for God. We need to be God's flaming warriors in this world. That's who we are called to be. We are called to be His witnesses. We are called to carry something that this world cannot give people. And I really do pray this week that God gets a hold, that God will bless all of you, but that God will get a hold of some of you, some of you, because God has great destiny for you. And that all the other things you are busy with, you will just put it aside. For this week, you will put it aside and you will press into God and cry out to God. And you will be the first one at the altars. You will be the first one to lay yourself in the presence of God. You will be honest and have an honest conversation with God and you will work with the grace of God because I'll tell you this week you are going to change. This week God is going to empower you. God's going to light you up. God's going to set you ablaze. God's going to deliver you. God's going to set you free. Come on, God's going to do a new thing in your life. If you will cry out with all your heart, if you will seek Him with all your heart. People say, 
they, they don't want to hear this conditional preaching. And I'm so tired of it. We all we hear is one-sided. No. God has done everything He's going to do for us. He loves you, yes. Every encounter with God is, is going to be an encounter of love and blessing and grace and mercy. But shouldn't that make you more hungry for God and, and, and more devoted and more passionate that you're not self-absorbed, but that you live as one of His flaming ones, one of His burning ones, one of His chosen ones at this hour to have impact in your generation. We're not just talking about, you know, I spoke about a crown of glory, how God will bless you in this world. And that's true. But apart from that, our assignment, our mission in this world that we find ourselves in, we need young people that can start fires. We need young people when they pray, they change the atmosphere. That when they sing, God moves into a place. Preachers that when they preach, there's a change and a shift in the environment. Not just somebody is intellectually stimulated. We need more than intellectual stimulation. We need our hearts to be changed. So Jesus makes it pretty clear. He says, I've come to start a fire. He says, I've come to change everything. I've come to set things in order. That starts with us, kingdom order. I've come to ignite a kingdom life, a kingdom life. We don't live for yourself. You live for God's kingdom. I've come to set a fire. I've come to disrupt the status quo. South Africa, are you ready for it? I've come to turn things right side up, upside down. I've come to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. A fire that will empower you to be a soul winner. A fire that will burn out the hay, the chaff and the stubble. A fire that will harness every other passion in your life in Jesus' Name. A fire that is stronger than any other fire that you may be struggling with. Doesn't help we put out fires, we need to light a bigger fire. We need to start a Holy Ghost fire. We have to build a bonfire, a fire that will burn out all the other little insignificant fires in your life. Amen, in Jesus' Name. Because when God steps in, the devil is going to step out. When God steps in, the addiction is going to step out. When God steps in, the fear is going to step out. You just have to cry out for God. And when God comes, everything else is going to be set in order by the power of the Holy Ghost. Your life will change for the glory of God. You don't have to change it. You have to allow God to fill you up. Allow God to baptize you afresh with His fire, with His presence. And as His presence comes, everything else is gonna lose its hold on your life. Amen? The devil, the curse, the things that you worry about, they are gonna lose their hold of your life in the name of Jesus. I declare it this week. You are going to be a new man. This week you are going to be a new woman in the name of Jesus. As you position yourself in the presence of God for His glory to come. This is your moment. We can never go into neutral. I say this to my pastors all the time. I say this, if I ran a company, I would say the same. I say to people, be the standout one. Be the fiery one. Huh? You've all been at a fire and you see the one log burns longer. Everybody can stand at a fire and you see this coal is dead, this coal is half dead, this coal is hot. 
we all have the equal opportunity to carry God's fire. But we need to be the hungry ones. We need to be the hungry one. You need to be the God chaser. And not allow your environment and everybody else's apathy and everybody else's philosophies and the world that you now think is a great world but is so anti the power of God. You need to get out of that nonsense and get back to the place where you found Jesus Christ, where the only thing that mattered was Christ, Christ crucified and the glory of God. Because if you don't go back there, you will never be satisfied. You'll never be happy. Because once you've tasted heaven, once you've tasted the fullness of God, there's nothing in this world that can satisfy you ever again. I challenge you today. Every pastor watching tonight, that you get yourself back to that place this week, that you humble yourself and that you're smart and you press in. You press in to God. And when God touches you, everybody will see it and benefit by it. You press in. God will touch you when you seek Him. I want every head bowed, every eye closed, no one moving now in all our churches. Before we go any further, you're sitting out tonight in this place and you say, Pastor, I've become lukewarm. Maybe you're sitting out tonight there in Johannesburg and you've never given your life to Jesus. I don't know. Maybe tonight if you had to die, you don't know where you would spend eternity. You can't say Jesus is Lord of my life. But I'm going to pray for you. Maybe like the prodigal son, you serve God, but you've grown cold and you've wandered away from your father's house. Tonight, I want to help you find your way back to God. He's one prayer away. But you have to draw close to Him. You don't have to change yourself because you cannot. All you can do is say, I want to give myself back to you, Jesus. I want to surrender my life to you. No one moving, please. Forget your friends around you. I sat in church when I got saved. My two best friends never gave their life to the Lord. I did. I thank God today. He said, if an aunt does a Tonight you say, I, I want to surrender my life to Christ. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to come back to Jesus. That Jesus that your mother told you about when you were a little child, now as a student, you've wandered away from that Jesus. You come back tonight. You come back to Jesus tonight. Every head bowed, every eye closed. There's a stirring in your heart. Jesus said, I will stand at the door of your heart and knock. If you open, I will come and sup with you. Tonight in this place, there in Bloemfontein, in Johannesburg, in Potchefstroom, in Kimberley, in Vintuk, wherever you are tonight in Cape Town, Durban, right there God is knocking at your heart and you saying tonight, I want to surrender all to Jesus. If that is your desire tonight. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to come back to Jesus. I need a fresh start with Jesus tonight. I'm coming home. If that's your desire, quietly wherever you are, just slip your hand up. I want to say a prayer for you. Raise it up quickly all over this place. Lift it up. Lift it up. Just raise it up. Unashamedly. Raise it up high. Thank you. God bless you. Bless you. Bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Just raise it up. Raise it up high. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Up there, all those hands. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. 
Come to Christ tonight. Come as you are. Slip it up your slip your hand up vanavond. God klop in die deur van jou hart vanavond. Vanavond sê ek my lewe reg maak my die Here. Vanavond sê ek wil terugkeer na die Here toe. Voor ons verder gaan met aanbidding. Dankie daarbo, dankie, dankie. Tel jou hand van op. Vergeet jou boyfriend nou. Jou boyfriend het nie vir jou gesterf nie Jesus het. Dankie. It's a great honor to pray with all of you. We really do love you. Value you. You are valuable. You are precious to Jesus and to us. And this is the most important decision that you can make to put your life back in the hands of Jesus. Amen. So we're not finished with all of you. We're just doing first things first. Um any case i wonder how many sick people were there when that woman pressed in with the issue of blood and everybody else didn't in in luke chapter 5 jesus is preaching in a home the doctors of the law sit the pharisees and the doctors of the law sit by nobody receives anything people break over the roof now thank god they're going to struggle here <laughs> because the room was full obviously it was a small house okay and uh, they break the roof open and they make a demand on Jesus well everybody else that was in the room received nothing they were all on lookers and i've learned long ago that it's everyone for himself when it comes to pressing into god Jy kan nie pert na die water toe vat, maar jy kan hom nie maak drink nie. Kan nie. Soveel soos ek jou vol wil kry van die heilige geest, en soveel soos ek aan jou brand kan steek, kan ek zere doen. I do my best to provoke you, to whet your appetite. My dog, Duke, the Duke. Um, sometimes he gets like fancy. He forgets where I found him. Now listen, when I found him, was, he was not up for sale. I had to bribe the uh, breeder because I saw him and I said, that's the dog I want. But he was thin because they kept him as the stud. They wanted to keep him as the stud dog. So he just lived in a yard, slept in dust, but a thoroughbred, a very decent dog. I could see that. And the breeder didn't want to sell him. And I, then I bought him. When I brought him home, he ate anything. I mean, I threw the pellets. It wasn't even then. And I was opgevreed. Nou, hy grand geraak, soos jylle. Nee, ek bedoel, nee, hy is become grand. I say to him, Duke, dan praat ek soms Afrikaans, want ek is nou keelvol vir my, sê ek, Dukas, ek verander nou sy naam, ek sê, Dukas, <laughs> jy het nou vergeet. Because now it's fancy food, with mints, and I make effort. Dan sit er en kyk hier die koos so then what do I do? You know what I do? I give him five seconds. Exit yet. Then I pick it up. I say, you've lost your privilege. No, not ah, ah, nothing. Want hy vergeet. Hy vergeet. Hy kon nou nog in hy stof geblei het. En hy het worms gehad. Ek moes hom twee keer ontworm het. Ja, dat is die waarheid. Nou het hy grand geword. Hy het vergeet. 
hy, hy was gelukkig wees om in die winter buiten te slaap. Nou is hy grand. Nou trek is hy dees op vir die koos wat ek vir hom gee. Toen sê ek van, ok, jy is nie meer honger nie. You don't respect this. So you lose it. So the next day, guess what I give him? Dry pellets. Back to it, dry pellets. It's okay? Nou vreet jy, want jy waardeer nie my moeite nie. Dis nou al wat jy kry. Lekker eet, opel. Jy het vijf minuut, anders te vat ek het weg. Dan leer hy. Dan vreet hy vannacht. But then he gets grand again. I'm not saying you're a dog. But I'm saying, what the heck? What the heck? There was a time that you would just do anything to get into God's presence, anything to be in a church like this, anything to be in praise and worship like this, anything. And now it's like, Dan sê Adbos of nou vir jou vanavond. Doekas. Want nou is jy nie meer doek nie. Want jy het grand geword. Jy het grand geword met die dinge van die Heere. Grand geword. Jy het vergeet dat jy moet honger bly en jy moet eet om aan te groei en gezond te bly. Jy het vergeet. So jy raak jy skerig no matter what we put in the diet. Dances, best praise, best worship, lights, preach my guts out, everything, and you stand there and you decide whether you will eat or not. Just put your hand on your heart and pray this with me tonight. Say, Lord Jesus, I give my life back to you. Thank you for loving me just as I am. I believe with all my heart you died for all my sin. I believe you rose from the grave. I believe you are alive. Tonight you touched me and I turn back to you and I invite you to take your place as my Lord, as my Savior. Take control of every area. I surrender my life to you in Jesus name thank you for a new beginning thank you that I'm free thank you that I am forgiven I'm your child in the name of Jesus amen and amen 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 we hope you received exactly what God had in store for you from this week's message if you have been touched by our ministry you can help us achieve our mandate and win the lost at any cost by visiting our website at crcchurch.com Thanks again for listening and God bless.